This episode of the Stable Podcast is brought to you by Hard Cut Subs. Hard Cut Subs prides themselves on their mission to deliver high-quality, open-label products to become a means to help their customers achieve any fitness-related goal through proper supplementation. To purchase Hard Cut Subs' dosed pre-workout formula, go online and visit hardcutsubs.com. On this episode of the Stable Podcast, I'm going solo talking Western Michigan University football and their latest performance against Michigan State University and how they can improve through the rest of their non-conference play at the beginning of the season. In addition, I'll be going over the first game of the Detroit Lions against the Arizona Cardinals and how their performance stepped up in the second, third, and fourth quarter. So sit back, pour yourself a tall glass of Kool-Aid, and let's get started. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and wherever you are listening, welcome to the Stable Podcast. Uh, Episode 15, I'm going to be going solo today. I just want to talk about a few things that have been going on this past week in regards to Western Michigan football and their latest performance against Michigan State University, along with the Detroit Lions, who were able to pull off a victory and start the season 1-0 against the Arizona Cardinals after one of the scariest first quarters that I've ever seen as a Lions fan. So, first and foremost, I'm just going to jump right in. Let's just start with Western Michigan football. What went on last week against Michigan State was, as I said in my Twitter video, an absolutely disturbing, disgusting performance. Now, I caught a lot of flack for this, and I'm not necessarily nervous to do this, but I feel like it's almost pertinent to kind of call this out. I've never seen it before, but... When I posted my video on Twitter, I had the caption, an absolutely disturbing performance by WMU this week. It needs to get better, and it starts with the QB. That's after quarterback John Wasink went 11 for 26 for only 79 yards and an interception. This is something that was kind of on the target last week against, or two weeks ago against USC. Uh, Wasink only went 11 for 22 for 67 yards and an interception. See, he still doesn't have a passing touchdown on the season through two games. And now I understand he's faced a Pac-12 powerhouse, one of the best teams in the nation, and Michigan State. I I refuse to call Michigan State a powerhouse by any means. I thought that they were going to lose this game right off the bat if you go back and look at uh, the WMU football preview that Jarrett and I both did. So I thought they were going to lose this game. After Michigan State's Week 1 performance against Bowling Green, I thought for sure... It's and after Western's performance against USC in the first week, how they stayed until, uh, what, six minutes left in the fourth quarter? They, they were hand-in-hand hand with USC. Uh, I thought Western Michigan stood a chance, and I put out a video, which I'm going to do every single week, a quick two-minute recap about what I pulled from the game and from watching uh, the performance. I said this team... Uh, came out there and was able to perform at a level that was unexpected, especially for a new coaching program, a new culture, a new quarterback and wide receiving core, a new plugins here and there on the offense and defense. And they really relied on their rushing game. I mean, looking back, they had 263 yards rushing. Levante Bellamy led it. Uh, you had a touchdown both from Jamari Bogan. John Waysink had the rushing touchdown. or the I, I, It was a receiving touchdown because it was like a, a trick play. But, you know, they looked really good. This final score, 49-31. to 31. I don't think that score really reflects what happened in the game, especially since USC put on 14 points at the end of the game to where it was a, a turnover and then a late touchdown. So, you know, they looked really good. And I thought that this team was going to stand a chance against Michigan State. Then, they walk into Michigan State in East Lansing, 
and lay a goose egg. Um, it was a, it was totally disgusting. The whole first half went into the locker room fourteen to nothing. Um, the only player that could score was a defensive specialist and cornerback Darius Phillips, who, like I said in the video, again is the only player that shouldn't be running laps this week in practice. Just a totally disgusting performance. I'm not even going to let you guys off the hook on there. I'm being criticized by several Western Michigan players, and I'm going to call you out by name right here because you've since deleted your tweets. Uh, Austin Guido, D. Eskridge, and former player Lucas Shirachi. Um, all three of you guys want to call me out on Twitter and talk about how I'm the first one to leave the bandwagon when you guys, uh, you know, are falling apart, or how I'm a clown, or how, you know, I don't know what I'm talking about. Let me just be completely straightforward with you guys. Three years I went to Western Michigan University. One year after PJ Flex won an 11 season. When I committed to this university, I saw potential in the athletic program. I saw a university that was dedicated to a hockey team and didn't give a damn about the football team. When I joined and signed this university and I said I wanted to get my undergraduate from Western Michigan University, I committed myself to following that football program. You can't find a time where I wasn't cheering, row the boat, brown and gold, we will reign, let's go Broncos. You can't find a time. And if you can, I challenge you to call my ass out and show me because I would never root against the Western Michigan Broncos. But certain players on the team right now want to call me out like I've abandoned the ship already. Now, let me reaffirm my past as to what I've done at Western Michigan University to make sure that all you guys were put on the map. I ran the Western Michigan University school paper, the Western Herald, for the past year, 2016 to 2017. I made sure to put your Cotton Bowl bid, your undefeated season, your coach of the year, your MAC championship, and the eventual departure of PJ Fleck on the map, front page newspaper headlines. I made sure to cover all that. If you go on my profile on westernherald.com, you'll see a deep 15 to 20 pages, almost all of which is covering your football team. Now, let me be clear. That's not covering the that happened. That's not covering PJ Fleck's uh, uh, adultery scandal. That's not covering the the robbery that your that the the Jalen Smith and the other linebacker did. That's not covering the bad. It was covering, look at what this football team is doing. Look at all this that's going on on the football team. Now, I'm not CBS, I'm not ESPN, so I can't put you on a national on a national screen. But I made sure that all of the campus knew what was going on with Western Michigan football. So for you players to call me out like, I don't know what I'm doing, or I'm not a supportive cast, or I'm not a supportive fan, absolute bull****. So, let me continue criticizing what's going on in Western Michigan football. Because you guys haven't had a game where you're passing under 79 yards since 2009 against Virginia. That whole team, you guys haven't experienced criticism since 1-11. You stared 1-11. You, you stared piss poor in the face at 1-11. And now you guys are you're complaining that you can't take a general amount of criticism about what's going on in Western Michigan football. You're getting upset because I said you guys need to work on completions and conversions. Those were the two things that I said walking into Michigan State University you needed to focus on. And guess what? You didn't focus on either. You didn't focus on either. You went 1-15 on third down efficiency. That's absolute <laughs> I mean, you can't. If you want me to pat you on the head and tell you it's going to be all right next week against the Idaho Vandals, against a quarterback that's coming off red hot against 
University of Las Vegas going 22 for 34 with 261 yards. And you want me to rub your shoulder and say it's going to be all right. I'm not going to do that. I'd, I'd hate myself if I did that to my university and my team. But for everybody to start pounding on, on Twitter and saying, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. This, guy's, this, this guy doesn't know Western Michigan football. He's the first one to abandon ship. No! I'm the first one to tell you guys to get your head out of your ass and start playing some damn football. If you guys want to talk about like like I don't like I'm completely inept to Western Michigan football like I have no idea what's going on yeah absolutely there are people out there that are more qualified than me to talk on what's going on in Western Michigan football because to be quite frank the only play experience that I have is in high school but since then since my play experience started I've understood the game I know what it takes to, to win a football game and I can pinpoint things when you're going wrong when you can't complete a pass and you're going under 50% that's pretty obvious to even a layman football football watcher and fan that that's an issue right there that needs to be remedied and fixed with that being said next week you're gonna be facing an Idaho Vandals team I said in that video that this is a team that you should roll over uh, they played Sacramento State to open up the season, and they won 28-6. And then they got smoked last week, 44-16, against UNLV. Looking at their quarterback situation, Matt Linehan, first week against Sacramento State, he went 14-19 for 19 for 163 yards. And against UNLV, he went 22-34 for 34 for 261. He's susceptible to interceptions. That means you, defensive backfield, don't let Darius Phillips do the work for you. That means step up and start playing some good coverage and start picking off footballs and start putting pressure on the quarterback that means you defensive line start making Matt Linehan throw rampant passes and ducks in the air so you can get the turnovers and you have a bigger chance of scoring and winning this football game it's simple and I understand translating that onto the field is a lot more difficult than putting it into words I respect that and I understand that it's not as simple as walking on the field and being able to do something that the game plan states. Because otherwise, everybody would be able to win a football game. And we'd have a stalemate until the fourth quarter because everybody's game plan would be working wonderfully. I understand that. I respect that. But looking at the other weapons that they have, uh, Aaron Duckworth, uh, uh, running back. I mean, he had in Sacramento State, 19 carries for 142 yards against UNLV, 18 carries for 80 yards. So, again, defensive line, putting pressure on that offense is going to be pertinent to winning against Idaho. Now, I know they're not a stellar team. They're 1-1 one one to start the season. Um, they don't have a ton of weapons. I mean, looking just at their receiving, uh, Jacob Sannon had a great game against UNLV. Uh, Ruben Wayla, uh, I, I probably butchered that name, and that's unintentional. But, I mean, they're passing for 163 yards. They're passing for 261 yards. So, this is a spread offense. There's going to be a ton going on, um, and this is where the defense is really going to need to, to stand strong. But looking at what our offense to, can do to win this game, you need to make sure, and this isn't, even, this isn't even reading the Idaho defense, because guess what? The Western Michigan Broncos have a hugely potential offense. We have something that could take us all the way through the MAC and win the MAC championship. But it starts with the game management and completions and conversions by John Wasink. And it's as simple as that. No matter how many people are getting upset because I'm highly critical of Wasink, because it's his first year, he just started his first game against USC, 
You are the man. You are the game leader. And the only reason the Western Michigan Broncos had such a successful season in the past few years, and so many people will disagree with this, is because Zach Terrell was a phenomenal game manager and understood how to win a football game. It wasn't Corey Davis, although we're seeing a top five draft pick, a phenomenal football player, had a great first week in the NFL for 67 yards, six receptions, whatever it was. We saw Zach Terrell knew how to manage an offense and win a football game. One of the most accurate quarterbacks in the country at 60-70% completion percentage. And so many people think that Zach Terrell was like a joke, was like PJ Flex, uh, like puppet. I told, uh, dude, Zach Terrell was the man. Zach Terrell started his first game against MSU. The first pass he ever had in college football was a touchdown against a Big Ten football team. And now we're looking at a Big Ten football team that it was worse than the, t- the game that Zach Terrell played was worse than the team that Zach Terrell played, and we lose 28-14. to This is a young squad, and I understand that. And this is something that we really need to take into consideration as we go forward through the season. But I'm giving you guys until non-conference play is over. I'm giving you guys the Idaho Vandals game, and I'll give you the Wagner the Wagner Hawks or Seahawks game. You need to roll those teams. If you don't, I won't panic. I'll give you my word that I won't panic right here on my podcast. That I won't release a video lambasting you guys for not knowing what you're doing. For not knowing how to play proper football and not knowing how to win a football game. Out of your first four out of the gate, I'll give you a free pass, a free token. Great. Awesome. When it comes to conference play in the MAC, you start off against Ball State. You need to walk in to Waldo Stadium and light Ball State up to where they never want to come back to Waldo ever again. And you need to do it in front of the fans. You need to do it in front of the parents. You need to do it in front of the naysayers, in front of people like me who know you can't get your head out of your ass right now to win a football game. And you need to prove all of us wrong. I have that faith. People want to doubt my faith and, and even the football players and the ex-football players that are calling me out on Twitter, and I've had several people messaging me saying, keep doing your thing, keep reporting that. We understand this team sucks and they need the criticism. Prove us wrong. I want to see you win a football game, but you're not going to do it when you're completing under 50% and you convert one-third down throughout the game. That was a paltry performance against MSU, and it can't happen again. To end it all, I have faith in you guys, and I know you can win a football game. But I don't think it's ready right now. I think you you need more cohesiveness and you need to understand a little bit more about one another, whether it be team building exercises. I mean, just looking last week, almost every pass that came off of John Waysing's fingers in the third and fourth, the receivers were jumping in the air for. I understand that you need to catch balls like that every once in a while because it's whether whether it's a wild pass or whether it's placed wrong. But every single pass to where they're trying to jump in the air and try to catch a ball, you shouldn't need your receivers to be using that much effort to, to complete a 5-7 to seven yard pass. Also, when it comes to play calling on like 2nd and 3rd downs, where we're just like launch, we're, we're having Wasink like launch the ball in the air. He puts so much into a pass, but he doesn't have any control. Use that into understanding how to complete yards. If he's putting so much in a pass, those short to mid-range passes are going to be a lot better for him than just launching the ball downfield to the sideline, albeit, to a, a young wide receiver who still can't make those grabs. So we're putting our whole team into awkward situations while our offensive line sits there and makes sure to block for four or five seconds, giving Wasink all the time in the world to go for an incomplete pass. 
So you're tiring people out. You're unnecessarily tiring people out to where they're not going to be able to perform later in the game. And it almost looks like you're panicking. So that, that allows the opposing team to see they're tired, they're panicking, they're unorganized attack. Michigan State scored once in every single quarter, and they could have scored more, but they're not a good football team. Michigan State sucks this year. So being able to capitalize on the Idaho Vandals in situations like that is very important. I think you guys are going to win a football game very soon here. I hope it's against Idaho, but like I said, I'll give you guys two games. I'll give you, I'll let you come out of the woods of non-conference play, and then I'll, and then I'll really start criticizing because once it comes to conference play, if you can't win a football game, that's an issue because the MAC is not, is not a conference that you're going to be able to lie down and die in, especially after going undefeated. Can't do that. Unacceptable. Especially uh, even, even after our first year with Tim Lester, the quarterback whisper. If John Wassick perf- continues to perform like this and our offense can't convert and our, de- our defense, dude, I have nothing wrong to say about our defense. Other than everybody else needs to contribute outside of Darius Phillips because he is doing like the workload right now. He is the man. Uh, he's been, he's the top performing cornerback in NCAA Division I football right now. Consider that when you're com- going onto the field and seeing that Darius Phillips is doing all this work. He said in a press conference the other day, he goes, I got by when I came to Western, I got by on athleticism alone. Athleticism is what you need to get by, and then you need to understand the game. And as he says, I'm fully understanding my position, the concept. I mean, they're looking at putting him on offense. Don't. Do not put him on offense. We need our offense to step up for themselves. Do not put our number one player on the team in a situation to where he could get himself hurt. Let him do his thing. Let him be a specialist and let him be a cornerback. That's what he specializes in. That's what he understands. You don't want him to understand a whole different playbook to where he's going to potentially go out there, hurt himself, and then guess what? We don't have our 14 points against MSU and potentially 14 points against anybody else that we're going to be playing in the next few weeks available. So, again, summarize. You guys can win a football game. I'm giving you two weeks. You really need to step it up. Completions, conversions, completions, conversions, completions, conversions. Work on those fundamentals and work on that team building and understand one another before you step out onto the field. Stop making everybody use effort that isn't necessary to win a football game. Play good, calm, understanding football and you can beat the the, the Vandals and the Seahawks in the next two weeks. One hell of a performance from the Detroit Lions in the second, third, and fourth quarters against the Arizona Cardinals this past Sunday. Uh, A first quarter, I mean, I'm not even going to lie, I'm a tenured Lions fan. I've been watching the Lions my whole life, Um, whether I watch it with my dad, brother, friends. I mean, you could ask anybody in the world that knows me even generally, and they'll tell you that I am one of the biggest Lions fans they know. I was about to shut the TV off after that first quarter because I wanted to throw up and cry. We saw the highest paid quarterback in the league, the highest paid player in NFL history, his first pass was intercepted and ran back 60 to 70 yards. And that alone gave so many members of the Detroit fan base and the Stafford naysayers to jump on the, he didn't deserve the money, what the f*** are we doing Lions bandwagon. And we were the same old Lions. To start off, we were the same old Lions. Then we're seeing we go to punt the ball away. Uh, Casey Redfern bobbles the snap in the back of the end zone after Dwayne Washington tried to take on a kickoff, tried to take the ball out of the end zone. The ball bounced past him when he could. She should, I mean, in retrospect, hindsight's twenty twenty. Period. But in retrospect, he picked the ball up after it bounced after him, and even the defender looked at him with a handout and said, "Stop, kneel the ball, just take the twenty yards." 
Dwayne Washington said, F*** that! I'm taking it back! And ran out of the end zone and got tackled at, like, the five. So it was like, okay, great, yeah, let's start, like, right against with our ass the end zone. We go to punt, Casey Redfern comes out, bobbles the punt. It was like, oh my god, please, for the love of god, it's the Lord's day, give me something to look forward to. Casey Redfern says, I'm running with it. <laughs> Runs to the sideline, gets hit, tears his ACL, we don't have a punter. For any Lions fan watching that football game... You know, and I refuse, you can't say that you're like, I have faith. I have, this team's going to be great. I have faith. No. At that moment then, you were like, same old Lions. Oh my God, it's 2008 again. We're only playing the Cardinals and we have the Giants next week and the Falcons the week after that. We're going to die. We're going to burn. Oh my God. So it was panic. After that, the Lions turned it on. I mean, after the first quarter, I don't know who said what. I don't know what leadership figure was able to encourage a fire, but the Lions looked great after that. Uh, the defense was one of the top in the NFL that week. Quandre Diggs, Miles Killebrew, Darius Slade, that defensive backfield. I mean, we had three picks throughout the game and a turnover, uh, a fumble recovery by Jared Davis, who led the team in tackles. Our rookie linebacker led the team in tackles. He's the first linebacker to start a game since Chris Spielman, first rookie linebacker, and then he led the team in tackles. After so much criticism through training camp, through fans, um, he, he's been called like the Ray Lewis of a locker room. He has the fire intensity and game knowledge as Ray Lewis, which let's pump the brakes a little bit. You can't call somebody and, and, and make him make the uh, the assumption that he like is like Ray Lewis uh, game one because I just can't take that. That like it hurts my chest. And, um, you know, our, our team looked great. Just looking at the stats alone. Uh, Matt Stafford, 29 for 41 for 292 yards, four touchdowns and an interception. Now, I'm going to put the win on the defense's back. That's an easy uh, criticism to make about the Lions. The defense looked wonderful. Uh, just looking at turnovers alone, Miles Killebrew, Glover Quinn, and Tavon Wilson all had interceptions. Each returned for more than 20 yards, so it wasn't like a, a catch and drop. Miles um, Killebrew actually ran his back for a touchdown for 35 yards. And Matt Prater took a lot of the punting responsibilities after Casey Redfern got hurt. Four punts for 139 yards, one in the 20, a 47 uh, long. I mean, that's comparing it to Casey Redfern had a 50-yard long. So being able to kind of work with that was very beneficial. Matt Prater is probably one of the best kickers in the league, and he proved that by hitting a 58-yarder and formerly hitting the NFL record of 64. So Matt Prater was a godsend in that game. The Lions have since signed Jeff Locke. Uh, the punter from the Colts, and I believe he was picked before Prater, I think is something that I read. You know, we're, we're set up now to go into New York and compete. New York did not look great this past week, but they also didn't have Odell Beckham Jr. So having him come back is something our defense needs to keep on their radar. Lions still have yet to see a 100-yard rusher. Amir Abdullah had 15 carries for 30 yards. Dwayne Washington, 6 for 22 um, I'm really confused by the the, the backfield game in, in, with the Lions because we see Theo Riddick, uh, he received six passes for 27 yards. Um, in his running game, he had one carry for negative one. So I think our backfield is really used as like another passing option and our, our running game is almost to like offset the defense. And looking back at the schemes and how we're running, I don't think you're going to be able to have like a successful running game when every play is just like a draw 
or uh, an outside rush with no pulling guard or no pulling tackle because those defensive ends are going to be able to sniff that play out like right away. Golden Tate, 10 receptions for 107 yards, no touchdowns. Kenny motherfucking Galladay, a stud. Four receptions for 69 yards, had a long of 45 with an incredible stretch reception that that made the NFL rumble. This guy, we thought, we saw him in preseason and we were like, okay, yeah, yeah, he's going to be our third. Um, could probably get a couple touchdowns. I remember listening to Mike Valeni when people were like really on the Kenny Galladay bandwagon uh, after the first two preseason games. Uh, Mike Valeni said, I'd be happy to see seven or eight touchdowns. He's already a quarter way there. He had two touchdowns in this game with almost 70 yards. Looked phenomenal. Marvin Jones with another touchdown. Theo Riddick with another. Golden Tate, like I had had mentioned, 107 yards. Looked really great, but we need to spread that ball out a little bit more. Um, Tate looked really hurt in the last, like the ninth and 10th reception. He was getting up, holding his back, limping. He jammed his finger and had to exit the field. You know, we put a huge workload on that guy's back, and he's our clear number one in the slot. But... We have other options to kind of spread out. TJ Jones, uh, Theo Riddick, Amir Abdullah, Eric Ebron, again, looked like poop. Two receptions for nine yards. Um, that's a guy we really need to ride this year, especially with him coming up in contract. Eric Ebron, we need to use you to your fullest potential this year. Whether you want to be a blocking tight end or not, we need you to catch four to five passes a game for 25 to 30 yards. Simple as that. No excuses. We need that in our offense. We need you to be our first down man in hard situations. Looking at it all, in summary, the Lions looked really great. Um, Next week, we do play the Giants in New York. It's a Monday night football game at 830, so it's our first prime time. We're coming off hot, so we're the favorites here in a lot of power rankings. We're ranked like 8th through 10th in a 32-team league uh, in power rankings, so we need to be able to back that up, go into New York, and get a victory. I don't think it's that much to ask. Um, the Giants are a little shaky, although their offense is studly. But with their offense being as good as it is and our defense being as studly as they were against the Cardinals, it should be a great Monday night football game. And I'm hoping the Lions don't walk in, lay an egg, and do the same old Lions trick. I have a lot of faith in this team this year, and I've said it since we started adding to our offensive line uh, in Ricky Wagner and TJ Lang. We got rid of Lake and Tomlinson, which kind of made me nervous just for depth purposes but I'm okay with that. Looking at our defense, we added Tease Tabor, who didn't play against the Cardinals, and then I'm hearing via Detroit media that he just didn't dress because we had enough cornerbacks dressed. Um, it's a little concerning, especially for a second-round pick. Uh, I want a little usage out of him. We'll see if he plays against the Giants. It's rather unlikely, especially with such a good performance by Quandre Diggs and by our other cornerbacks. So we'll see what happens. But uh, I'm feeling like he's going to be uh, undressed again. Uh, Lions just need to focus on the defense. Make sure to shut down Odell Beckham Jr., Brandon Marshall, and Sterling Shepard. Uh, Paul Perkins in the backfield isn't a huge worry, especially since we have such a big defensive line. Um, make sure Eli Manning isn't completing these out-of-this-world Super Bowl passes and be able to work with our offense. Slow wins the race with the Detroit Lions. We don't want to panic and and be bombing these balls with Stafford. Use Use measurable downs and be able to use the small increments to get you down the field and get those manageable first downs. Um, Lions need to take it slow. We don't need to bury the Giants. We just need to walk out with a victory, go into Atlanta confident. We don't need to start 1-1 one and one and go, go into a, a Super Bowl uh, caliber team and lay an egg. We need to stay confident, go 2-0, and oh, beat the Giants, and just remain uh, upbeat 
as um, as the season goes on. Lions look great. If you haven't tuned in, make sure to check it out. Uh, make sure you follow me on Twitter. My name is at BBUFFA underscore WMU. I will be doing articles for every Lions game and videos for every Western Michigan football game. Um, make sure to tune in. Make sure to share my stuff, please. Um, it gets people talking, and that's what I want. I want conversation. I'm not here to piss anybody off, or I'm not here to throw anybody under the bus vehemently. I'm here to start a conversation and talk. This is something that I really have a ton of passion about, and this is this point of the season where I thrive. Right at the beginning, let's get in it. Let's get nitty-gritty and get our hands dirty, and let's talk about some football. Whether you want to shoot me a message in a DM, whether you want to at me, um, I will talk back. I don't ignore anybody. So let's chat. Follow the Stable Podcast on Twitter as well, at Stable Podcast. Um, Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, follow on SoundCloud, retweet, share with your friends, check it out. Thank you so much for listening. This is episode 15, and next episode I'm surely going to be joined by either Jared Orlando or it's possible I might see Jackson Vidari on this again from the the, the draft analysis earlier in the season, episode 6, I believe, uh, drinking draft Kool-Aid with Jackson. So check that episode out before you listen to it. That was one of the most popular episodes I had, but we'll get Jackson on, we'll get Jared on, we'll chat a little bit more Lions football and Western Michigan Broncos. Thanks so much for listening. Go Lions! Go Lions!